The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. everybody. So glad that you have joined us this first Sunday of Advent. If you have a Bible with you, grab it and let's go to Matthew chapter one. We're going to start in Matthew one. We're going to jump around to a bunch of different texts this morning, but we'll begin there in just a minute. We are here this morning on the very first Sunday of Advent, and we're beginning a new sermon series called God with us. That's a very familiar phrase. It's, it's one that we hear quite often around this time of year, and yet If you pause to think about it, there's something really profound about that little phrase, God with us. First, there's God, right? Transcendent, glorious, majestic, and in holiness, the the creator of heaven and earth, the, the Lord of all. God. And then there's us. Small, frail, weak, needy, deeply flawed. There's God, and there's us. And then there's that little word, with. God, with, us. And friends, my task today is to convince you that the central storyline of the entire Bible is God's deep desire to be with you. We're here this morning on the first Sunday of Advent, and Advent simply means arrival. It's a time where we look back at at Jesus' first arrival on the scene all those centuries ago. It's a, a time that we look ahead to his second coming, to his second arrival, and we think about what it means for us to live between the two advents. But the the central storyline of this grand story is God's desire to be with you, to be with me. And this is particularly important for this season of the year because as we approach the holiday season, the everyday chaos of our lives sometimes gets amplified. That not only do we often find ourselves busier than normal, but we often feel the pains and strains of life more acutely. This time of year often reignites relational tensions, that it resurfaces old griefs, that it can sometimes remind us of what's lacking in our lives. And paradoxically, the very season that's meant to remind us that God has come near can leave us feeling as though he is distant or gets squeezed out altogether. Friends, the season of Advent is all about longing. We remember, as we sang in those words earlier, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. We, we identify with, with Israel longing for the arrival of Messiah even as we wait for his second coming. It's a season of longing, but the deepest longing of every human heart is the longing for the with God life. Life with God. 
We come this morning to this familiar story in Matthew chapter one, the, the beginning of the story of Jesus, the story of his birth. And, and, and you may recall the story that um, Joseph is pledged to be married to his uh, soon-to-be bride, Mary, but he discovers that she's pregnant. And he knows it's not his. So he has in mind to, to, to divorce her quietly, to, to put her to the side and to, to treat her honorably, but to move on with his life. And then a messenger comes, an angel from the Lord comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, no, this child, this child that she is bearing is the long-awaited one, the long-awaited Messiah. And then we read in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew here quotes from the prophet Isaiah, who wrote about a a coming time when a, a virgin would give birth to a son and that he would be God in the flesh. Matthew begins his story of Jesus with Emmanuel, God with us. But it's very important to recognize that that the the place where the story begins is precisely the place where the story ends. That if you flip forward just a few pages to the very end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28, we see the final words of the story, the final words of Jesus. And he says to his disciples, and truly I am with you always to the very end of the age. The end of Matthew's gospel ends where it began. God with us, God with us, still with us to the very end of the age. And so as we find ourselves living suspended between the two advents, we recall this reality that God's deep desire is to be with you. I love the way that Richard Foster captures this in his book, The With God Life. He says, the unity of the Bible is discovered in the development of life with God as a reality on earth centered in the person of Jesus. This dynamic pulsating with God life is on nearly every page of the Bible. It's what the whole story is about. Listen to just a few pages where you get God promising his people his presence in their lives. For example, you see it in Genesis chapter 26, verse 24. God speaks to Isaac and he says to him, I'm the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. A couple of chapters later, he he speaks to Jacob, Isaac's son, and says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. As you continue reading, you eventually get to Moses in the book of Exodus. In Exodus 33, 14, the Lord speaks to Moses and says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. As the story continues, you come to Joshua, Joshua chapter one, verse five, the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The prophet Nathan eventually speaks to David and and says to him, whatever you have in mind, do it for God is with you. First Chronicles 17, two, and then A little later, David speaks to his son Solomon, 1 Chronicles 28, 20, and says, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. 
The Lord speaks to the, to the prophet Isaiah to his people and says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then in one of the most beloved statements that we find in all the Bible in Psalm 23, the psalmist writes, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Time and time and time again, the promise of God comes to his people. I will be with you. And I think embedded in that promise, embedded in the promise of God's presence in our lives, come two imperatives and an invitation. Two imperatives that come with the promise of his presence. The, 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 the imperative simply of do not be afraid and do not give up. Right? Did you, did you hear those imperatives embedded in each of these statements? Each time God promises his people, I will be with you, I will be with you, I will be with you. He is saying to them, therefore, do not be afraid. Do not give up. My son, Will, my oldest, is uh, gonna be turning 22 just after the first of the year, but I, I'll never forget a time when he was two, when we were living in uh, Wheaton, Illinois, the suburbs of Chicago, and, and Will was just a little toddler. He was learning to talk, and one night we had put Will to bed, and we had gone to bed ourselves, but, but something that night woke him up in the middle of the night, and as he lay there in his bed, he was afraid. He, he began to cry, and I mean, he was wailing, and so I woke up, and I knew this is, my, this is my turn. This is my time. I'm getting up. I'm going to take care of him, and so I get up out of the bed. I head down the hall in the darkness. I quietly walk into his room. I pick him up out of his crib, hold him in my arms. I said, it's okay, buddy. Daddy's here. And he caught his breath, was just learning to talk, and I'll never forget his response to me as I held him in my arms, three little words. I want mama. <laughs> right? He's like, thank you so much for showing up so that you can get the news to the one who I really want here, but uh, you, know, you need to go tell her, I want mama. You're not cutting it, mister. So there was nothing I could do except go get mama. And mama came and she picked him up. She held him in her arms. She said, it's okay. Mama's here. And his breathing slowed and just a few minutes he was back asleep and in his grip. So we see in the tender soul of a little child how the promise of presence has the power to allay our fear. And God says to us, to his people, to you, to me, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. The promise of his presence says to us, don't be afraid, but, but it also says, did you hear it in each of these statements? It also says, don't give up, right? Don't, don't quit. That, that whatever it is that you're going through, that, I, that I'm with you, that I'm gonna get you through it, that, I, that I'm gonna deliver you from it, that I'm gonna help you endure it, that I'm here to help. I am with you, don't give up. And I don't know all of your stories this morning, but I know enough of them to know that there's some people in this room that just need to hear that today. Don't give up. 
He is with you in the middle of it, whatever it is. It may be a, a season of unemployment. It, it, it may be a crisis in a relationship. It may be a, a devastating diagnosis. Whatever it is, God says, I am with you. And I will be with you through it. I will help you endure it. Together we will get to the other side of it. Whatever it is, I am with you. Don't give up. The promise of his presence comes to us with these two imperatives. Don't be afraid. And don't give up. But I think in addition to these imperatives for us, there's, there's also in these words of promise an invitation to each of us. That when God says to us, to, to, to you and to me, when he says, I will be with you, I will never leave you or forsake you, there's an invitation. Will you be with me? Listen again to the words of Richard Foster. He writes this. The divine assurance thundering throughout the ages is also a divine invitation. I am with you. Will you be with me? This dynamic is the absolute unifying center of the Bible. Every story in the Bible, no matter its twists and turns, whether the human characters are trustworthy or untrustworthy, whether the story is sad or happy, is built on this clarion call to relationship. I am with you. Will you be with me? Each instance of the promise implies the invitation. Will you let me in? Will you pursue my presence in your life, in your daily reality? And if you say yes to that invitation, if you want to know what it looks like to live the with God life, then I hope you will make plans to be here for this whole series because each of these weeks we'll be exploring what it means to live the with God life. But in the time that we have left this morning, I want to offer you just two words that I think really capture the heart of it. That if we would respond to God's invitation, will you be with me? It involves two key ideas. Attend and depend. Uh, attend and depend. We, we have to pay attention to the reality of his presence. And we have to learn to depend on his strength in the details of our lives. To, to, to attend, to, to pay attention because the reality in our lives is God is present. I will be with you. He is with us each and every day. Wherever we go, whatever we do, God is with us. That is reality. My problem is I fail to pay attention to that reality. I forget it or I ignore it or sometimes I deliberately disregard it. But the reality is he is here. He is with me. He is with you. The challenge for us is to pay attention to reality. And frankly, friends, it's, it's not really good news for some of us that at the heart of the with God life, the, the heart of the Christian spiritual life is paying attention because more and more, it's becoming a challenge for many of us to pay attention, to really pay attention to much of anything. Am I right? 
Like we just find ourselves living in a world that we're bombarded with distractions, that we find so many voices that are calling our name, that are vying for our attention, that, that we live so often in what one writer called continuous partial attention. Continuous partial attention, where we're constantly paying attention to multiple things at the same time so that anything we're paying attention to, we're really only partially paying attention to. Continuous partial attention. We, we find our attention stretched so thin and becomes more and more difficult for us to really pay attention to much of anything. And this is not good news if, in fact, the heart of the spiritual life, the heart of the with God life, is paying attention. I've shared with you before the words of a book from a woman named Maggie Jackson, a, a cultural commentator who talks about our waning capacity for paying attention in some pretty dire kinds of words. Here's what she says. He says, the way that we live is eroding our capacity for deep, sustained, perceptive attention, which are the building blocks of intimacy, wisdom, and cultural progress. That, that opening sentence says a lot. And our ability to really pay attention are the building blocks of intimacy, of wisdom, of cultural progress. There's a lot on the line. Moreover, this disintegration may come at a great cost to ourselves and our society. Our old conceptions of space, time, and place have been shattered. This is why we're less and less able to see, hear, and comprehend what's relevant and permanent. Why so many of us feel that we can barely keep our heads above water. And everybody said, amen. Is that just me? <laughs> our days are marked by perpetual loose ends. What's more, the waning of our powers of attention is occurring at such a rate and in so many areas of life that the erosion is reaching critical mass. We're on the verge of losing our capacity as a society for deep, sustained focus. In short, we're slipping toward a new dark age. Now, this is a social commentator, not someone who's writing explicitly from a vantage point of faith, but I think she's onto something that's really important, and there's a lot at stake. That not only is there a lot at stake with regard to interpersonal relationships and with regard to society, but there's a lot at stake spiritually. Because at the heart of the spiritual life is paying attention to reality. Paying attention to the reality that God is here. And this is why we practice spiritual disciplines. The, the spiritual disciplines are not the means by which we fix ourselves. They're not the means by which we transform ourselves. The spiritual disciplines really are the practices that help us to pay attention. To pay attention to the reality of God's presence. To open ourselves up to his work. Because central to the with God life is paying attention to reality, to the reality that he is here. Attend and, and then depend. For us to live the with God life requires us to pay attention to the reality of God's presence and requires us to depend on him every day, to depend on him in the everyday details of our lives. And once again, I think we oftentimes live such busy, frenetic, and quite frankly, comfortable lives we oftentimes don't find ourselves confronted by our need to depend on God and how often we wind up living our lives depending entirely upon ourselves. But here's what we have to recognize, friend. That spiritual strength 
is born from acknowledged weakness. Spiritual strength is born from acknowledged weakness, from recognizing the reality that I am weak, that I am dependent. And the converse is also true. The path to spiritual failure is unacknowledged weakness. When we don't recognize the reality of our frailty, we're on the path towards failure. Spiritual strength comes from acknowledging the reality of our weakness and our desperate dependence on God. I had a profound experience in 2018 when I had the opportunity to travel to Cuba and to go just to be there with some friends for the purpose of of just encouraging pastors in that difficult place. And I'll tell you, while I think we did some good work encouraging pastors, I'll tell you the pastor that was encouraged. I came back so profoundly encouraged by just being with those brothers and sisters in Christ who were living through really difficult circumstances and yet taught me something powerful about what it looks like to really live in dependence on God. And how oftentimes in my comfortable Christian existence that I don't really recognize my desperate need for him. But I had the opportunity while I was there to just to share some of my story. And one of the stories that I shared with them is a story that I've told here. Some of you will have heard me tell before about what it looks like to practice dependence. It's a story that, that I learned profoundly in the final days of my dad's life. I lost my dad to kidney cancer when I was 26 years old. I've now lived nearly half a lifetime without him. But I'll never forget in those final days, the lesson that God taught me about the spiritual life. The, the cancer had ravaged my dad's body. He was very, very weak, and so he could hardly get up out of the bed. And so when he'd need to go down the hall to the bathroom, I would lift him up out of the bed, and he would lean his body weight into my forearms, and I would just stand there with my arms outstretched, his weight leaning into mine, and we would just take little baby steps down the hall. And as we made our way slowly down the hall, my dad would sing the words of the old hymn. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. And that That moment with my dad gave me a picture that I'll carry with me forever of what the spiritual life looks like, taking little baby steps with Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. God promises us his presence. I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. Don't be afraid. Don't give up. Pay attention to the reality that I am here and walk in dependence on me, taking little baby steps with Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. Friends, the central storyline of the Bible is God's profound desire to be with you. God with us. It's what the whole story is about. So he offers you his word of promise. I will be with you. Therefore, don't be afraid. 
keep going. And inviting you. I will be with you. Will you be with me? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the promise of presence. What a powerful word. Presence. With. God, with us. Frail and flawed though we may be. We thank you. We thank you for this promise that challenges us to to not be afraid and, and to keep going. This promise that invites us to pay attention to the reality of your presence and to depend on you in the details of our lives. And God, I pray for any who might be here this morning that, that have never had that time when they have trusted in Christ for the very first time to, to experience your presence in their lives in a new and profound way by just opening them up and saying, yes, I believe, I trust in what Jesus has done for me. I want the life that he has come to give. I want the hope that he's come to give. I want the promise of his presence in my life. I embrace him by faith. And God, for all of us, for all of us who have trusted in Christ, may we learn more and more what it means in the details of our everyday life to live life with you. For this, Lord, is your deep desire for us and the deep longing of our hearts. And so Lord, I pray that in these few moments of response, God, that you would move across this room and the hearts of many who are watching at home, God, that we would respond to you today as it's fitting for each of our unique circumstances and stories. Help us to respond to you this morning, Lord, and we pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new.